Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Live to Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Sunday night, August the 6th, 2017. I'm Dre, he's Jay. Another special night here at IMLD as we have our tuxedos out once again. Another awards show. We had our baseball awards a couple weeks ago for our Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy. And now it's time for the annual tradition, the NFL Hall of Infamy induction, which we do every single year. We switch off duties every year as to who gets to induct. And this year it is Jay's turn to do the inductions. Jay has the honors. And so I will stop yabbering. And without further ado, your MC for tonight doing the NFL Hall of Infamy inductions is Jay. Thank you very much. I hope you're having, are you having a good night tonight? Are you ready for a good show? I am. I am pumped up and ready to lay back and let you do all the work and I'll have all the reactions. Well, that's fine because reactions is, is what this is all about. So, you know, for people who haven't heard this type of a show from us before, which was basically the last show, uh, this is our Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy. Uh, we are going to induct five more extremely, extremely talented and notorious people uh, into the NFL Hall of Fame, Hall of Infamy. Very deserving of entrance this year. Um, I dug deep this time around. I've got some. I, I've got some things uh, we might not quite expect. So I think we're going to laugh a little. I've got a couple more entrants into the Jim Mora wing of the Hall of Infamy this year. Very deserving entrance. So they'll be they'll be properly enshrined into the multimedia wing of the Hall of Infamy for uh, famous quotes or phrases, uh, which is nice because like we, you know, we've somehow, somehow, sometimes cheated our, our system rules by being able to enshrine a Hall of Famer for basically just saying something silly or a future Hall of Famer for saying something silly or something that has stuck with us through the years. And so I'm always uh, excited for these shows. This basically means that football is back. I actually have to start paying attention to football again. Uh, we have a, I believe it's a tape delay broadcast of the Hall of Fame game going on as we speak, which, okay. I didn't know we've come to that. I was, you know, the Hall of Fame game used to be live, but apparently this game was played, I believe, on Thursday or Friday night and uh, is being that, rebroadcasted. That tape delay of a, of a game that doesn't matter. That tape delay yeah. broadcast of a game that yeah. doesn't matter at all will get more ratings than uh, a regular season NHL game. Yes, and most NBA games, I would assume. <laughs> Probably. 
yeah, outside of the finals, because we all, as we've talked about on previous shows, nothing matters except for the finals now in the NBA. But without further ado, I will introduce a first for us. See, we're all about firsts for the Hall of Infamy. Um, we, we usually do our five entrants every year. This year, it's six. And I'm cheating the rules a little bit to get six in because for the first time in Hall of Infamy history, I am inducting a father and son combo. Ooh, get a bonus. Yeah, you get the dad and the kid for both being Hall of Infamy worthy. I give you Stanley Wilson and Stanley Wilson Jr. (laughs) Folks unfamiliar with Stanley Wilson Sr., you should know that Stanley Wilson Sr. was a fullback drafted into the league uh, in 1983, played five, six seasons for the Cincinnati Bengals. His coach thinks he cost him a Super Bowl. We'll get more into that later. Uh, Spent two out of those six seasons suspended for violating the league's drug policy. Back in the time when it was hard to, you know, get suspended for a whole year for something, um, unless it's nose candy. That yeah, I was just about to say, you got to be into some hardcore shit to get suspended yeah. back in the 80s for drugs. So, here we have Stanley Wilson, important member of the Bengals in their run-up to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 23, and they're about to play the San Francisco 49ers. Stanley Wilson decided that, you know, before the game, he was going to go and get a little playbook studying in. Told that to his teammates. He's going to go study his playbook. And then his coach finds him basically in the bathroom high on coke. Well, you got to have some some kind of impetus to study your playbook. You got to have a little help. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> poor Stanley Wilson, important member of the Bengals running game, the, this is Eugene Robinson-esque. I can't believe that this has not come up yet because you want to talk about that really stepping up for your team. I didn't get a, didn't go get a hooker. He decided it would be a better idea to go do some blow right before the Super Bowl, get himself ready for the game. Of course, the Cincinnati Bengals then went on to lose Super Bowl 23 to the 49ers, and uh, the rest is history. And Stanley Wilson, of course, was playing extremely well. We don't know if he was high on Coke in those couple of games before the Super Bowl, but he was running the ball in, getting touchdowns, and his career unceremoniously ended after the 1998 season, basically banished from the league um, because of his problems and his habit. Then, in 1999, convicted of stealing money from a uh, basically a break-in, Steals $130,000 from a home and then gets 22 years conviction after that. Oh, but wait, there's more. Not to be outdone by his father. (laughs) We have Stanley Wilson Jr. Let's meet Stanley Wilson Jr. In 2005, he was drafted by the Detroit Lions. Uh, He's a defensive back. Not extremely good defensive back. 
putzed around in the league for a few years and then injuries and ineffectiveness, you know, limited him to basically what amounted to a four-year NFL career. So far, the, the sins of the father, you know, have not quite found their way to Stanley Wilson Jr. However, let's jump forward to 2016. Eight years after his pro career is over, Stanley Wilson decided that he liked being naked a lot. On three separate occasions from June 22nd, 2016 through February 18th, 2017, Stanley Wilson Jr. was arrested for being naked out in public. Two of those times breaking and entering, just like dear old dad, into people's homes in Portland, Oregon. So... Your first time you get busted for breaking into a house naked. All right, that's fine. Six months later, you do it again. Then, a month later, you get sentenced to 10 days in jail, told you have to you get some probation, you got to write a note of apology for breaking into someone's house while nude. How do you celebrate getting such a light sentence? Five days later, you do it again arrested a third time, naked, trying to burgle someone's house. Way to go, Wilson and Wilson Jr. The Wilson family's proud. I give you Stanley Wilson and Stanley Wilson Jr., the first father-son combo in the Hall of Infamy. Did he have a cute euphemism for like his dad did? Did he call it uh, <sighs> studying his playbook or, or something like no. that? or just? He just wanted to be naked in public all the time, sometimes while sleeping. Just, I, I don't know. There's some history of, of, of illness, of mental illness with this family. Um, they, try, they tried to, they tried to contend that the dad had uh, bipolar disorder. I don't know if bipolar disorder in the kid's sake makes you go naked, naked burgling houses. Um, he needed some kind of a nickname though you know like you know like the naked bandit or something like that because you really need a good nickname when you get busted three times in a seven month period for busting into people's houses naked and then the dad breaking into someone's house and stealing money out of their house so he could continue to support his blow habit um just wow those have got to be fun christmases at the wilson house I think you just gave him a cute nickname. I think you you just did it. The um, naked bandit. <laughs> it works. It works for me. Uh, another consideration, of course, would be that despite our beloved commissioner Fidel Goodell's uh, attempts to let everybody know that playing football actually makes you a healthier human being than everybody else, and we'll get to that later. Uh, despite that, we all know, of course, that playing football hurts and could damage your brain. And so I would yes. submit that as a logical explanation for trying to break into people's houses naked repeatedly over and over again. Because that certainly sounds like someone who's brain damaged. Yeah. Oh, you'd think we'd have rashes of that, though. I mean, like we'd have a whole bunch of naked ex-football players breaking into people's houses for, for we, we don't know what reason. Um, Symptoms you know, manifest differently in people, I, I think, would be uh, that's, that's about true. the only thing I can explain. 
Right. Some people shoot themselves in the chest, leaving a note saying, please study my brain. Um, That's one way. Yeah. There's a whole other, lot of things that people, lots of repeated people piss in the oven. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things you know. that thrashing, you know, getting thrashed in the head for uh, multiple years that the NFL can do for you. But yeah, a couple, basically uh, a dad and a son both achieved the highest level of achievement in their sport. Um, and uh, one decides to go the route of getting addicted to nose candy. And the other one basically gets hurt, ends up out of the league and decides that he's going to just strip naked and start burglarizing houses. I, wow. Um, so I, I had seen I had seen something about the uh, the nude incident for Stanley Wilson Jr. back in uh, back in February when it was reported that it was a real minor blurb and I'm like wow that I need to look into this <laughs> incident. <laughs> what's plural. this? What's this all about? And then of course through doing my studying for the show I found out oh wait you, I, I've got a combo meal here I've got a dad and a kid both with the same name they're going in together. I'm sure the picture in their Hall of Infamy uh, exhibit. I don't. I don't know what you put up. You probably put up something cute from when he was like a really little kid. You know, <laughs> like a real happy time, like better days photograph. Because the whole rest of it, not gonna go so good. Probably better than the like. You know, if they have any crime scene photos, you know, where we could like uh, blur out the junk. You know, <laughs> yeah, a bad episode of Cops. Yeah, I can't think of anything yeah. at the at the moment that would go up. Uh, two two pictures pictures of them, uh, a, a spoon, and a ski mask. I, that, that's about all I got right now. I don't know if there was a ski mask involved here. You're right. There, that might be uh, me adding on. That might be me embellishing yeah. the situation. But playing very um, yeah, gently but, uh, in in that part of the hall of infamy, playing very gently from an overhead speaker would be the theme from Cops. Bad boys, bad boys. Yeah. What you? Although that could do? probably play, that could that could play probably in the whole crime and punishment wing of the Hall of Infamy, which we have quite a few uh, folks, and another one yet to come this year. Yeah, hell, just blare it from the speakers as they walk into the Hall of Infamy. Just <laughs> that, that's the official theme song of of the Hall of Infamy. Uh, yeah, Stanley Wilson is about as infamous as they get. So very. Uh, deserving induction, uh, the son right along with them making headlines of his own. And I would suggest to keep that wing, get, get some space in that uh, in that induction room for, for those to uh, make some room next to them because I don't know if Stanley Wilson Jr. has children or not, but if he does, uh, watch out. Oh, yeah. I mean, if all of a sudden, you know, a few years from now, we start hearing about Stanley Wilson the third coming up into the pros, watch out. And we know what team would draft him, the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> well, you know, Junior played for the Lions. Well, they didn't. The, the Bengals didn't know about his uh, criminal tendencies first, uh, or else they might have drafted him first. Yeah, yeah. Everything shows that there was no indication of any of that. Uh, and this, you know, and this all manifested itself after his playing career. But just because you do something eight years after your playing career end, it doesn't mean that the Hall of Infamy will not find you, especially when your dad uh, passes out in the bathroom high on Coke right before the Super Bowl because he's studying his playbook. We know his playbook he was studying, by the way. 
yeah. quote unquote studying his playbook. Yeah. Yeah. Studying his playbook mm -hmm. <laughs> with his nose. <laughs> Must have been the old scratch and sniff playbook. Oh. Hey, hey. So, yeah. So, so we've got, so we've got drugs, criminality, and nudity all in one entrant into the Hall of Infamy. It's like the trifecta. Off with a bang. Yeah, thank you. Any 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 thoughts on on the Wilson boys? Uh, I was not aware of the of of Junior's uh, exploits. Uh, I will say that Stanley Wilson is very <laughs> infamous for what he did, but I lost track of yes. of Junior. Good. Okay. Yeah. So amazingly, it was Junior that put me onto the radar, and then I had, of course, you know, as you're going through, you're like, oh wait, he's the kid of that Stanley Wilson. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. okay. that one. That's Stanley Wilson, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, I cheated six people into the Hall of Infamy this year, but I, I think you'll allow me my grievance there. My, 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 you know, my. Oh, sure. One and one A. It's an injury. Yeah. It's dad and the kid. I mean, you can't put them in. You can't put them in separately. They got to go in. It's Louis Salazar and the cheese grater. <laughs> That's for the previous show, folks, in case you're confused by that. Yes. All right. Moving right along. My second entrant this year goes into the Jim Mora wing of the Hall of Infamy, something very near and dear to both you and I, probably more of an in-joke for both you and I. Although today, while watching the Hall of Fame inductions, which I actually had on at work, um, I found out that Maybe you and I aren't the only people that remember this word. And do you know what that word is? Tell me. We're putting one word this year into the Hall of Infamy. It's just one word. And that word? Dumplings. <laughs> As uttered by Kurt Warner during a 2002 Chunky Soup Spokes Mama's Boys ad campaign. <laughs> <sighs> I could not find the AV of the commercial. I found the other Kurt Warner Chunky Soup commercial. I don't know if they, uh, you know, like memory holds this one on purpose because it's so stupid. But basically, Kurt Warner is... Uh, looking around at, you know, he's, he's at the line of scrimmage and the, the ball's talking to him and it's the face of his mother. And he starts having like a really creepy, like x files -y type experience. And then uh, wakes up on an airplane and, you know, and his teammates nudging him, trying to get him up out of his dream. And all Kurt Warner is laying there and mumbling is dumplings. This, that word um, sort of became a, a sort of like a running gag as as Kurt Warner went through what, what basically ended up being like a really down period of his career wrought with fumbles and head trauma uh, and, and almost synonymous for you and I with guys who were basically getting their bell, bell rung throughout the NFL. So cut to today where the real Kurt Warner is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. The real NFL Congratulations, football Hall Kurt of Warner. Fame. Thank you. Yes. Good job, Kurt Warner. Um, and I'm standing there, and I didn't, I, I for, totally forgot that any of this was going on. So I clicked through the channels at work, and I saw, oh, Hall of 
you know, Hall of Fame inductions. And they did go through a couple, and all of a sudden, Kurt Warner's up there. And I'm sitting at my desk, and I've got a couple of coworkers around by me. I'm looking over the TV. I'm like, I forgot Dumplings was going into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and both of the people that I was with got it. They remembered <laughs> the stupid commercial. Um, but, yeah, there you and I are. I mean, you know, how many times have we said that on this show over the years? Uh, anytime we talk about a guy who's basically getting, you know, lit up, you know, laying on the turf or, or making fun of Kurt Warner, so to speak, that, you know, it's, it's dumplings. So it's almost sort of become a nickname for him, but the genesis of it goes all the way back to that stupid chunky soup ad that Kurt Mo- and Kurt Warner mumbling on an airplane dumplings. <laughs> it really is our sort of cold word for somebody who looks like they've been concussed. <laughs> I, mean, I, I cannot count how many times and, you know, think back now, it's 15 years now since that commercial aired and it, it was almost immediate that we started making fun of it. This is way before the podcast, way before, way before the show uh, and even the blog, any of that. I mean, this is going back a good 10 years before any of this even really got started. We were making fun of Kurt Warner in that stupid commercial. Dumplings. Dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, even more topical now because of all the, you know, the CTE and the concussion this and concussion that, I still think every time I see a dude getting jacked up and, you know, thinking he's Batman when, when he wakes <laughs> up, that uh, he, he's, uh, all I can think back to is Kurt Warner with the Tomplins, and especially considering where that happened in his career because he came off of that period of being like real hot shit um, with the greatest show on turf, Rams. But then he went when he went to New York. He went through that down phase of his career, and it really only that did. Tim, we had this discussion. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whew. He was the Giants run, and he was getting yeah. killed. Killed his first Every game. His first back. <laughs> Warner's first game with the Giants. Uh, I believe he fumbled the ball seven times. Seven. 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 Times. That- Seven fumbles in one game. So the discussion we had when I was at work was if he did not have that career resurrection out in the desert, going out to Arizona, taking them to another Super Bowl, and basically playing at like an MVP caliber level those couple couple few years he was in Arizona, he'd never be in the Hall of Fame. That, that whole, he could not have ended, if he ended his career in New York, he would not be in, inducted into the Hall of Fame right now, no matter how well he played in those two MVP seasons and making it to two Super Bowls and winning one. He needed that career resurrection to even sniff the Hall of Fame. I see your point on that, I, but I disagree because they love that story so much. I don't think the Arizona part of it, I, I understand that he was very successful there and it really was a career resurrection. He almost won a ring, uh, a lot of people yeah, forget. should have. Uh, it's the, the 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 paper boy or the paper bag boy from the grocery store to Super Bowl champion and MVP and all of that stuff. That story was so juicy for the NFL. They licked that up when it was happening, and they continue to lick it up. I don't know if it would have happened this soon. I'll concede that maybe Kurt Warner doesn't get into the Hall of Fame this soon, if not for the Arizona resurrection. But I do think they would have gone back to that paper bag story and eventually put him in the Hall of Fame. They loved that story so much. And I'm glad I didn't watch any of the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. So I didn't have to live any of that story again because I was nauseated living through it the first time. I certainly don't want to live through it again. Yeah, not to go into like really bad territory here because you know nobody really listens to the show, so might as well. At one point, they put up a split screen of Kurt Warner and his wife, 
and uh, we were trying to play a game at work called Who's the Man? <laughs> um, not uh, not who's the man, not who's the who's the the the, the man, who's the the badass, but which one is is the man in the marriage? Which... <laughs> yeah, or no? I mean, seriously, as well. Uh, that's another reason I'm glad I didn't watch he must really really love Jesus uh, that's all I'm going to say <laughs> all right. or he really, really loves men and that's his way of, of getting around <laughs> well you know these this day and age it, it's totally okay totally okay to admit that you're married to a, to a, to a, a woman who used to be a man not that I'm, not that I'm <laughs> saying that's what happened but, oh man Kurt jeez you said it was uh, a, an X Files reminiscent type of commercial. Was it X Files like, or was it? Oh, that was one strange commercial. <laughs> and I'm I totally, saying. you know, in a day and age when you can find anything on the internet, I can only find descriptions of the commercial. I cannot actually find. The video proof um, of the, but we it exists. I mean, clearly it happened because um, I, you know, I'm basically I'm getting the whole like ad script dumplings. Although the the, the video uh, one of the one of the descriptions actually inaccurately says dumplings. He does not put the G on it. So anybody no, who it doesn't say dumplings, he, doesn't say dumplings. It, he does not dumplings, and he says it in a way that sounds like someone who just got concussed. And that's why exactly. it sort of becomes synonymous now with concussions in the NFL. I mean, I mean, when Matt Moore got lit up in the playoff game, I was at work, baby. Don't blitz. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it lives on to this day, and I, it is very fitting to go into the Jim Mora wing of the Hall of Infamy. Yes, yeah, absolutely, very fitting. As is our next entrant into the Hall of Infamy who, other than the fact of being completely scrubbed from the memory of the NFL, might actually be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, Super so the Chris Bowl Benoit champion. situation? That's, we do have a Benoit situation. Super Bowl, not, not without, no, no murder, though. Uh, oh. Super Bowl champion, league leader in multiple categories over an extensive 14-year pro career. I give you... Darren Sharper. Uh, you're going to make famous mad for this one. The Bill Cosby of the NFL. Oh, <laughs> oh Darren Sharper. Um, incredible. I think we could both agree an incredible professional NFL player. On the field, yeah. one of the best safeties of his era. Um, Eight years in Green Bay, multiple years in Minnesota, a Super Bowl champion with the New Orleans Saints. Let's see here. Twice he led the league in picks. Not too bad, right? Scored Man. 11 defensive touchdowns. And this is what he made his name at. Darren Sharper was like the pick six machine or scoop and score. I mean, an excellent, excellent player. Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Okay, over there. Yeah, I was just getting them for Klempt over uh, 
Darren Sharper here, sorry. Um, a tackling machine, an amazing player, one of the best of his era, who is now, again, we talk about the memory hole, someone else who has almost completely been memory hole <laughs> by the NFL um, after getting a little rapey. That, that'll, that'll, that'll <laughs> tend to do that, you know. Uh, all of a sudden, allegations start popping up after Darren Sharper's career, two years after his career is over. Um, women start coming forward about Darren Sharper, uh, liking, liking the ladies, uh, whether they say yes or no, um, and also drugging them. It's very a la Bill Cosby, um, except with, uh, with convictions in this case, um, in multiple states. Oh, let's see which states, California, Louisiana, Arizona, and Nevada. So not only do we have a rapey situation, we have ourselves a serial rapist who doesn't mind doing this across state lines with the use of enhancements, or, or shall we say. So Darren Sharper currently is residing in prison <laughs> after being after basically copying pleas and being convicted of multiple counts of sexual assault, drugging women, uh, just overall not a very good guy. Even had accomplices, so there, it wasn't just him. He had his, like a whole entourage of guys doing this. Not very no, good. No. So we have, it ain't we no have fun least... if the homies can't have none. <laughs> so we have proof of at least nine women over this entire period. Um, that, what a shame for a guy who, who on the field and, and was also a media personality. You know, he's, he was good on TV, very articulate guy, and great NFL player. And uh, you'd think this would be the kind of guy who wouldn't have a problem. Just saying, you know, he didn't have a problem scoring in the NFL. I'm just saying he didn't have a problem scoring outside oh. the NFL. Um, but Darren Sharper, uh, we haven't forgotten you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we've made jokes about him several times on the show before. I figured no better way than to get this man into the uh, real, official, in much less detail, Hall of Infamy. Right there next to uh, the Wilson boys this year in the law and order wing of the Hall of Infamy. <laughs> I think when you open the doors, it makes the cha-chum sound, you know, when you open up the doors to that wing of the Hall of Infamy. That, that, that's the one. <sighs> yeah, you Even just said it. Uh, just well, a little note well, here. How does I love a guy this. that looks like that need? What, I, he doesn't need to do that. He I don't, should be. I don't get swimming it. in it. I don't get it. I, I love this line right here. I'm on Darren Sharper's Wikipedia page. Not a fun place. Um, one line <laughs> reads sure. here: Between January, this would be uh, what year would this be? 2014. Between January 14th and January 15th, he purportedly victimized four women within 24 hours. In two different states. That's uh, that's quite a spree. It's called going to work. <laughs> Man, that's getting busy. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. I guys, mean... and just like Cosby, you know, Cosby may not have been quite as handsome as as Sharper, but he had a lot more money. Uh, but either way, looks, money, strength, power. Uh, there's no reason for someone uh, with that kind of stature to do that, except it's it's got to be what he wants to do. It's got to be what gets him off 
And unfortunately, uh, it, it was something that he just had to do over and over again and, and victimize many different people. Uh, just like, really just like Cosby, you just kind of look and shake your head like, dude, you, you needed to get help a long time ago and you just refused to do it. And you wind up uh, having, like you said, a, a an interstate crime spree is basically what it amounts to. Uh, completely ruining, as you said, a, a, a burgeoning career after football on TV, with, you know, as far as the media goes, uh, was well-spoken, dressed the part, looked the part, handsome man, had everything going for him in great shape. Uh, like you said, excellent football player, definitely Hall of Fame credentials as, a, as an all-time defensive back. And just like Chris Benoit, definitely will never get the recognition officially from the organization that he worked for uh, because of the things that he did off the field or outside of the ring. Uh, yeah, it really is a shame that uh, that somebody that good wound up being that bad of a human being. Yeah, almost the perfect entrant when we talk about sort of the duality of this Hall of Infamy that we, because we've, it's always been called the Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy. And you talk about somebody who was really good on the field and really not so good off the field. And you have that sort of duality in play. I don't think anybody, could we think of anybody who embodies it over the entirety of what could have been a Hall of Fame career than Darren Sharper? No, that's that's right up there with all the other guys who, you know, signed autographs and kissed babies and then went home and beat their wives or or did drugs or did yeah. something really bad off the field. He he's at the top of that list, absolutely. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a few years late getting in. Um, we only get five a year. Again, we 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 keep you know this is one where this the the number of players and the volume. And the violence of the NFL will never stop giving us material for the Hall of Infamy. No doubt. It, it, it always finds you. So we're going to move on to a little more lighthearted entry here. The last two are very lighthearted compared to a little bit of the heaviness and weight that we had with the Wilson boys and Darren Sharper. So a lot less rape and a lot less nudity here in the, uh, in the final two entrants. I'm going to, I'm going to call this uh, fourth entrant this year into the hall of infamy, the King for a day award that, and it goes to a player and by King for a day, I'm talking about an, Actual football MVP, an MVP quality player is about to go into the Hall of Infamy. How often has that happened? Wow, that's that's quite impressive. Of course, I'm talking about Tommy Maddox. The 2001 XFL. League MVP. Ah, oh, the so XFL. I see what you did there. <laughs> yes. Oh, the XFL. Uh, you got to give me the. You give me the intro. This is the XFL. See, I, I can't do that because my kids are sleeping, and I'd have to get the. <laughs> I'd have to get the volume going. So yes, two thousand and one, the one and only season of Vin, Vince McMahon's brainchild. 
the XFL, merging professional wrestling and professional football, so to speak. We got camera views in the locker room, uh, much more access than we'd ever had before. And by the end of that first season, we were actually getting promos ripped straight from wrestling. Uh, like right before the game, it was it was abysmal. <laughs> but the one constant, the shining light that whole season, trying to salvage his NFL career, which had flailed for the years previous, was quarterback Tommy Maddox. He's the only player to start at quarterback all of the games and therefore led the league in all of the offensive passing categories because he was the only one who started every game and led the Los Angeles Extreme called, of course, spelled X-T-R-E-M-E. Of course. You know, of course. It's got to be, it's got to be extreme, right? Um, to the million-dollar game. I don't know if this was the Ted DiBiase million-dollar game, um, which they also called, <laughs> this is so... Or what was also referenced as the big game at the end. I guess Super Bowl or you know any of that stuff yeah. was already taken. We're just going to call it the, the big game at the end. How brilliant, huh? How yeah, did that the leak on that kind of brain power? Oh, the, the extreme went on to win the game, and Tommy Maddox was crowned the XFL MVP. Tommy then decided he was going to resurrect his pro career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And believe it or not, played pretty good football for about a two or three year period. Actually, you know, he 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 bounced around early on in his days. I remember when 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 Tommy was drafted, uh, Dan Reeves uh, was coach of the Denver Broncos and decided that Tommy Maddox was going to like alternate with the other quarterback and go back and forth. And it was just the most ridiculously retarded. Oh, can I still say that uh, thing? <laughs> That, I, that I'd ever seen because John Elway kind of, you know, wasn't around. And so Dan Reeves just decided he was going to bounce back and forth between quarterbacks. And poor Tommy was the the, the unfortunate, it's hard to say, beneficiary of uh, Dan Reeves basically not being an idiot and not knowing how to manage quarterbacks. And then he just bounced from team to team to team to team. And then resalvages his career through a combination of the Arena League, and then by being the XFL MVP, the train wreck that was the XF- XFL, the one, the one constant that, like I said, the shining light was Tommy Maddox. Uh, actually, had Maddox on the back of his jersey, not a uh, quote or a nickname. Went to work every day, did his job, and turned that into a couple of meaningful seasons of football of relevance uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers before sort of unceremoniously being uh, replaced by, oh, this guy named Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> oh, I said we were done with the rape on this show. Jesus, what was I thinking? <laughs> no. And, and you know, and then that became sort of the end of Tommy Maddox's career. But very much in the vein of, you know, Kurt Warner or any of these guys, a very feel-good story that you have a, what basically amounts to a, a highly touted rookie, journeyman quarterback, fails miserably, reestablishes himself through the biggest joke league in the history of pro football, and then comes back and is relevant and, and good for several seasons 
before being replaced by a future Hall of Famer. So for being king for a day, I'm going to put in Tommy Maddox. You know, in his own way, that story is on the level of the Kurt Warner paper boy at the, at the grocery store story. It's very similar. You get a guy who just takes whatever opportunity he can to perform at a lower level. He doesn't care what the, the situation is. He doesn't care how small the arenas are or how small the crowds are. He's getting an opportunity to to perform and to show what he's got. And damn it, he's going to take advantage of that opportunity and show and perform uh, and show what he's got. And he does it all the way to a real NFL job. One of the very few guys out of that pathetic league that turned it into real football opportunity. And he deserves all the credit in the world and all the respect in the world for doing that. I have very vivid memories of him in that Steelers uniform uh doing things in the NFL, actually performing in the NFL after watching him in the XFL and being as big of a wrestling fan as I am, I actually took a, a small bit of pride in that. Like, Hey, there's, there's the guy, there's the, the guy from the XFL, the, the one guy that actually came to play, uh, actually doing something in the NFL. I was, I was kind of proud of him as if I knew him or something, which I don't, but uh, yeah, he absolutely, turn the smallest bit of opportunity into uh, as, as big of a shot as he could make it. And guys try that all the time in the arena leagues and the Canadian football leagues and all sorts of other leagues. Uh, and very few get the opportunity to, to go on the, the big stage, to go to, to the big show, if you will. And, and Tommy Maddox did that. And for that, he absolutely should be rewarded and recognized. He's not going to be recognized on the NFL hall of fame weekend, like Kurt Warner was, because after all, he didn't go win an MVP or, or a Super Bowl championship. But for what he did, he deserves some recognition. And so that's what we're here for. The the Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy. We're here to recognize the 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 people that need recognition but aren't going to get it from the big boys. And that's a, that's a, a wonderful addition to the Hall of Infamy. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Maddox, a quick story here on Tommy Maddox, was involved in – if I had to say like a top 10 football games of all time that I've ever watched or, or been a part yeah. of Tommy Maddox was part of one of the most fun games I've ever watched in my whole life of, of, of watching football um, week 10 of the 2002 season. What ultimately ended up being a 34 34 tie against <laughs> my Atlanta Falcons, uh, Tommy Maddox and Michael Vick going back and forth up and down the field for the whole game um just putting on a show i mean he, he threw what is it here he threw for 473 yards four touchdowns and on the final play in overtime threw a 60 yard complete hail mary bomb that plaxico burris caught <laughs> and got tackled at the 1 yard line Yep. To end one of the and you probably remember this game, one of oh, yeah. the most wild, entertaining, crazy games I have ever watched in all of my football watching days. Tommy Maddox and the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Atlanta Falcons, my team. Uh, the old kiss your sister tie score. 
but it was so it was an epic regular season game. We don't get many epic regular season games. That's one of them. And that's why I always kind of have that like kind of like little warm spot for Tommy Maddox because that provided me I mean I had friends over we just could not take our eyes off of that game. That's why I was still it was right before I moved out of Chicago. So it's probably about six, seven weeks before I moved up north. I'm still living in Chicago. Uh, we're all in the family room. I'm, the, I'm watching it on the big screen TV. And you want to talk about just a, a week 10 game should not generate that much fun and that much excitement. That was absolutely epic um, as far as a football game goes. So Tommy Maddox. Welcome to the Hall of Infamy. And that game is a big part of the reason why when Roethlisberger was brought on the next year and drafted so highly, if we remember, we're old enough to remember, there was a lot of controversy around that. Hey, we got Tommy Maddox here. We don't need to draft somebody in the first round. We got Tommy Maddox. And And, and Roethlisberger, he sat for a while. Uh, Yeah, yeah, he did. He just didn't go in and get the you know, here's the job kid like they do these days. He right. he sat and and you know, they let Tommy play and Roethlisberger had to start to sort of you know work his way in um, to that job. So Tommy Maddox, a, a footnote in history, XFL league MVP. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> hey, it's a pro league MVP and he's in our Hall of Infamy. Yeah, that's a duel. He's never getting into the real one. No. Oh, our final entrant. How have we missed you? Long overdue entrant into the Hall of Infamy. A Jim Mora wing entrant. Maybe that's one of the reasons, because this is a relatively new thing. Two years ago, the first time I went through, I did nothing but quotes, right? And I picked mm-hmm. five amazing quotes this year. We added dumplings as a saying to that. But... I almost feel bad that this was not an inaugural entrant into the Jim Moore wing of the Hall of Infamy. It just blows me away. Completely blows me away that I did not put this in. I give you, we want the ball and we're going to score. Oh, let me scratch that off my list. <laughs> I beat you to it. You beat me to it. Oh, man. Entering the 2002 season, uh, we had Matt Hasselbeck, who had jumped ship with Coach Mike Holmgren um, for the 2001 season to leave Green Bay come out of the you know the shadow of Brett Favre, although Green Bay, uh, for those of us who remember back to the Brett Favre years, Green Bay was a factory for serviceable backup quarterbacks going and being, you know, quality pros. We had Mark Brunel, Aaron Brooks, Trent Dilfer, Matt Hasselbeck. But all of these guys went on to some measure of success in the NFL and they were just all getting churned out, you know, one after the other, after the other. Matt Hasselbeck was no different. Mike Holmgren decides he's going to leave and go to Seattle, takes the backup quarterback with him because he was a quarterback guy. Um, Matt Hasselbeck goes up to Seattle, enjoys, I think we would both agree again, a, a fair measure of success as a quarterback in the league, got to a Super Bowl, although it was the worst Super Bowl I've ever seen. 
um, in 2005 when they played the Patriots. But we're going to go back to the 2003 wild card game. A lot of drama in that game because you leave the shadow of Brett Favre, both Holmgren and uh, and uh, Matt Hasselbeck and Matt Hasselbeck. Where do you think you would end up for that 2003 wild card game? Of course, you could end up no other place than Lambeau Field playing Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers. And so you've got you've got Hasselbeck, the, the understudy. You know he's he's just so exuberant, and he's a young guy. And he's excited, and the Seahawks are giving it all they can to the Packers. And that game goes to overtime, and there's Hasselbeck out there at the coin toss, and he's so you can just see when you watch the replays. I mean, he's so excited. They're gonna win, and the ref flips the coin and the Seahawks win the toss and asks the visiting team if they want the ball and Matt Hasselbeck says we want the ball and we're gonna score well score he did (laughs) after receiving the kickoff several plays later Matt Hasselbeck proceeded to throw a touchdown to the Green Bay Packers oh no who promptly ran up the right sideline for the game-ending pick six, Matt Hasselbeck, oh boy, youthful exuberance and karma all at the same time. He wanted the ball, and he scored for the other team. Well, he said he was going to score. Epic. Uh, once again, another epic failure in league history. You, you just what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it, it gets caught on the hot mic and the announcers think it's awesome. They're laughing. It's like, Oh, 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 oh you know, kid, kids got some spunk. Oh, oh, oh. And several plays later, there's Al Harris jumping that route, running right up the sideline game over after you just told the world that you were going to get the ball and you were going to score. And we're going to go right down the field. And <sighs> yeah, they just, on the road, enemy territory. You're coming back to the place, you know, where you were the backup, and you've got a chance to go in there and jump up and you kind of punch the bully in the mouth. And Holmgren's back there, team that he took to two Super Bowls while winning one, and they, they, you know, and here they come and they're going to jump. And the Seahawks were never really able to sort of jump up and slay that dragon. Um, Holmgren never really got the success in Seattle. Never, other than got to a Super Bowl again, but lost. It really just never clicked again for him, the way that it did. They had that thing rolling in Green Bay, where those that that '96 and '97 teams were some you know all time really good teams. Even though one of them lost the Super Bowl, that run that they went through when Brett Favre was in MVP form. He, he never sort of recaptured that. And so he's got this the young understudy he's taken with him who, who's a really good, ends up being a solid pro quarterback, has a long career. I mean, we've, we've still seen Matt Hasselbeck these last few years. He, what, the Colts was he backing up for? Mm-hmm. It, it seems like, he'll, yeah, it seems like he just recently we've still seen Matt Hasselbeck playing, now I won't say meaningful football, but, you know, toting the clipboard, collecting a league minimum, doing something making a lot more than we are, but his defining moment, unfortunately, is that. 
all of the things that Matt Hasselbeck has done before or since. If you think Matt Hasselbeck, what do you think? We want the ball and we're going to score. Okay. Well, now Matt gets to join many other quotes and people and criminals and PR agents and you name it in the in much less detail hall of our final entrant this year the words spoken by matt hasselbeck that's a quote that lives on between us as well because anytime we're watching a, a football game and it goes to overtime and whatever spunky fired up quarterback races out there for the coin toss we both look at each other and kind of smile and go he wants the ball and he's gonna and score. He's gonna score. Yeah. <laughs> that now, is for correct. Which team, that remains to be seen. But, yeah. But yeah, that was that was quite the thing. For anyone that saw it live, it's like, oh, he's really feeling himself, isn't he? Okay, yeah. let's see what he's got. And then you saw what he had. And like you said, Al yeah. Harris running back the other way. And it's like, oh no. You you knew immediately, had, like oh yeah, he I totally to jumped like that route. Worst. He just had to feel so low for for saying that and then delivering the pick six to the other team in that spot. Oh, to to eliminate your team from the playoffs. I mean, you can't get much higher stakes than that to to have that sort of high as far as your confidence goes to deliver such a low return like that, that you, you can't really go pretty the only way you could go from higher to lower would be to do that in the super bowl to, to say oh. in front of 60 <laughs> million people we're gonna get, take the ball and we're gonna score and then turn it over to the other team for a touchdown it's about the only way it could get worse for for matt hasselbeck you know i'm just wondering what's going through someone's mind when they do that because what's the risk reward here at best you become just sort of like a low rent joe namath right that, that, that's the <laughs> That's the most that you're going to achieve is that you, you make some bold predictions. It, it's been done already. So you're not doing anything new. So keep your mouth shut. Because what do you end up being on the flip side of that? You are now synonymous with, you know, false bravado. And, and you have, you know, you're basically trailblazing the negative side of this by doing something like that. And and, and that the, 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 the risk here was far more than what the glory could have been if they had actually taken the ball and gone down to keep in mind this is back in the days of uh you know sudden death all they had to do was go get a field goal and they could have left lambeau field and they got the ball and they scored and it would have been like ah you know good job we would have forgotten about this or it would have been one of those fun little neat things hey remember when they went up to green bay and no it now you you've basically you pulled a Hasselbeck when you do something like that. You call your shot <laughs> and then totally yak it up to the other team. Have we seen anything like that since then? Oh, no. But, that but that's level. why it's, no. it was so obvious that, uh, that it was an excited utterance. Obviously, he didn't put any thought into what happens if oh, we don't score. Yeah. He just blurted it out because he felt that good oh. and that confident about what he was yeah. going to do to the Packers' defense once he got the ball back. And for good reason, he felt confident. He had shredded them pretty much uh, for that entire game. But, yeah, you just don't do something like that. That's obviously something that just came up and out of his mouth. He probably shocked himself when he said it, you know, because from that point on, you haven't heard a peep from Matt Hasselbeck because I don't think that's really his personality. But at that moment, that's just how confident he felt. And and he just said something he really should have never said. And, uh, that that's that's a lot of the uh, the quotes that are 
already in the Hall of Infamy and that are going to go in in the future is guys saying things that they probably shouldn't have said, but they just got a little overexcited and said something that's going to wind up living on uh, long after they're gone. Yeah, so a solid five this year. I've had this list for a while. I, I think the latest comer onto this list was really the Stanley Wilson thing. Um, and that was February. So you, you can, you, I, I, I'm not kidding when I say that this is something I literally tomorrow I start working on my new list, even though it's two years <laughs> until I get to do this again. Cause you'll have an, I, I won't wait a year for you to do yours, I will literally start building my new list or um, my list of five here this year, or six, so to speak, um, isn't the only five I have written down. I've got, you know, I've, I've, we've got many things. I've basically had like eight things and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, these are the five I'm going to do. You know, that's really the only show prep, so to speak, that I had to do was just going okay who doesn't make the cut this year who can who can afford to wait and i i I feel good about this group uh they all deserve it (laughs) (laughs) no this is a very good group a very fun induction show uh always well handled well handled by you well done Uh, are are they are these getting a write-up on the blogger or no you know i always say i'm going to and then i never do so I'll do my best. I, I probably should go back and at one of these days, I, I'm, I'm off work a few days coming up here. I probably should go back and put in like my baseball ones. I, I should probably actually take a little time and actually post something on the blog. I, I have been very blog negligent since uh, my son was born. <laughs> I fully admit that. Hey, you're married with two kids. You don't have the time to do that, I, you know, that type yeah. of stuff. I understand. Back back in the days when it was just the blog, I was like religious. You know, I would even post shit that had nothing to do with, you know, what we were doing. I would just post fun shit, or I'd see something. And then once once my daughter was born, a little less than the pot. Once the podcast started, I think my attention to the blog has been has been all but zero. Um, so I will make the I will say I will make the effort to put this into written form I, I you know i try to do things a little bit more free form and conversational uh when i'm on the show so yeah i, I probably should do myself a favor and put this into uh history and uh put it out there and although this is also committed to history now and on, on the on the interwebs and everything i should I, I should put my words to paper here uh there are some stories to be told in what we're looking at with these people you know no not to be you know pithy or anything like that but there, there's a good story behind every single entrant. You know, one with with the Kurt Warner one that's personal a lot to me and you, um, and then the other ones I think are just good stories or funny stories or crazy stories or sad stories. That's what the Hall of Infamy is all about. Memorializing the things that should be memorialized. Absolutely. Yeah. So, ah, I squeezed that in. I, I I actually timed that out pretty well. I didn't actually have to do my last three entrants in 90 seconds. It's not a pick show. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very nicely done. Uh, so, yeah, the 20 seconds left on the live show, I will let you guys know. We're doing an after show after this is over. That will not be available live. That will be available on the podcast version of the show. Sign up for uh, in much less 
uh, or in many different podcasting apps. We will see you on the other side of this break for the after show portion of our broadcast. And now into the VIP after show portion of the show. Yeah, very nicely done on the uh, Hall of Infamy inductions this year. Now, immediately I'm on the clock and, and feeling the pressure, but I'm like you. I've got uh, a, 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 a sort of a knowledge, a working outline of who I want to uh, induct, uh, things that happen and, and free up maybe new people to induct uh, sooner than, than later because some things that happen you know the guys that are involved or the incidents uh, will not be involving people who will be in the real Hall of Fame. So you can pretty much instantly uh, induct them if you want. So right. I got a few of those. I got some old school ones that we still haven't touched on. Uh, yeah, there's a, absolutely a, a long, long list of things in the history of the National Football League that need to be uh, immortalized and recognized by us. And, and we will absolutely get to them uh, in the future. Yeah, so it's one of the few instances that we had there at the end that you've had to scratch something off the list. Yeah, I, I was thinking about Hasselbeck uh, actually like as a career because I don't think he's making the real Hall of Fame even though he had a long no. career. No, um, did. And he was pretty damn good for a while there with Seattle, uh, including, like you said, getting to a Super Bowl where he lost to uh, the, the Steelers in just a, a dreadful game to watch. Um, and sort of but, tying that up on Bo, that was the Roethlisberger Hasselbeck Super Bowl after he took over for Tommy Maddox. Oh, ah, ah, I see. Yeah, it's all about the connections. <laughs> and that was part part of the reason why it was such a terrible Super Bowl is because Roethlisberger still wasn't fully trusted yet, so he wasn't getting the the why the wide open playbook that he's getting right now. I don't think Todd Haley was in the picture right. back then. So this was been trying to be a game manager. Um, and yeah. If I remember the, the longest Steelers touchdown was thrown in that game, I think by Heinz Ward, who's not a quarterback. I, yes, that is, that is correct on the old, uh, uh, the old option play. To, uh, to Antoine Randall L. Was it? I believe you are correct. Yeah, I just remember that as being the worst, the worst officiated Super Bowl that we have ever had. That is the one, that is the Super Bowl where we had a offensive push off called on the Seahawks that negated a touchdown that was completely bogus, and then Matt Hasselbeck getting called for, uh, I believe, unnecessary roughness while tackling the guy who picked off one of his passes. And yeah, all he did I knew was, was tackle the guy. Right. It was totally focused. Yeah, he, he threw a pick deep in Pittsburgh territory and then chased down the guy who did it and tackled him, and then they flagged him for tackling the guy. Yeah. I guess it wasn't, it wasn't in the script. <laughs> it wasn't a horse collar tackle. It wasn't an illegal. No. He, he tackled ta him. The way he the way he tackled him was too rough for the referee, I suppose, and he decided to <laughs> it was That was just... I remember distinctly watching that Super Bowl. I was living up north. It was that was just a brutal Super Bowl. Um, it was brutal. The worst it was, one I've ever watched. 
it was the the right Super Bowl for what I was going through in my life because that was right after the thing that happened with the, the student loan thing, which we briefly talked about on the oh. last show, which I finally settled up. So it was perfect. I was going through that hell. I was living in my in my aunt's basement, and, and I went through all sorts of machinations to make it up to uh, my neighbor's apartment to tape the Super Bowl because I I didn't have a cable hookup yet because I just moved into my my aunt's basement. And so I go through everything to make it up there to finally start the tape and the tape wouldn't start the VCR that they had wasn't working right and finally got it going. And after all of that, it was just a terrible, terrible game. I have a terrible tape of a terrible game and it all, and it was in a, in a terrible part of my life and it all pretty much matches up together. And I lost the pick. I, I don't remember who I was betting with, but I had the, uh, I had the Seahawks after all that they went through to make it to the Super Bowl. I thought they were, going to take on this inexperienced kid in Roethlisberger. They're going to try to game manage it, and the Seahawks have the better offense. They're just going to blow them away. They're going to win this game, uh, and it, it didn't work out for me. Nothing was working out for me at that time in my life. No, it was just a, it was just a putrid, putrid Super Bowl. I mean, you know, we've had, I, you know, granted, granted I was on the wrong side of this last one as a fan, but, you know, it was an exciting game. I mean, it was a crazy game, but it was at least exciting. That Super Bowl was just dreadful to watch. Yeah. Uh, there was no joy in, in that Super Bowl. Even the blowout Super Bowls have been more fun than that one. I mean, I'm, you know, like the, the Seahawks, uh, Broncos Super Bowl, all those Joe Montana and Steve Young, and all those Super Bowls growing up as kids, all the Bills losses, all of those, none of those were worse than that Seahawks versus Steelers matchup, the worst Super Bowl uh, I've ever seen. All right, as you start to go through your uh, alien voice right now, I actually have something to take a little time while you go through that. Um, So, of course, the one thing on the line for us when we do make our picks for the NFL season at the end of the year, the person with the most points under our point system, the one prize that we do get is we get to choose whatever theme song is out there, whatever music is out there that's free for us to use, uh, that doesn't have any kind of uh, commercial restrictions to it. We get to choose, uh, we go through whatever channels that we go through and, and choose what theme song that we that we like. And the, the winner gets to implement that onto the show as the official theme song. And me having won the last couple of years, uh, this song that we have now, Breaking Bad by Jazar, the title Breaking Bad, the artist is named Jazar, uh, has been my choice for the last couple of years. And I did say after winning this past season that I would uh, use that option to change theme songs just to keep things a little fresh. So we, I am going to change it up. I, I will have a, a new theme song by the time that we do our season preview show coming up at the end of August. Haven't made the decision yet on what that new theme song is going to be. I've got two contenders that I loaded into the system and I might just stop there because as you know, from doing it yourself, sifting through some of these free songs, it's a chore because so many of them are just like, no, 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 no. And you finally come across one after 15 minutes of searching that you're like, maybe. Okay. I kind of like that. So I got a couple of them that I felt like that, like maybe, you know, contenders. And and I might just choose between one of them. But what I thought I would do was play a snippet of both of them for you. And you can tell me your opinion 
and you can do your 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 dance fever uh, imitation here. It's got a good beat. You can dance to it. You give it an 85, Dick. I mean, that's I'm truly dating myself there because I think that show was off the air by like 81, 82. Uh, but you can listen to uh, these two songs and tell me your opinion of each one, which one that you like better. I'll play about a minute of each one because some of them, you know, so, like any song might start off. You might be like, yeah, I don't know about that in the first 10 seconds. And then it kind of grows on you as it goes on. So I'll play about a minute of each. So I will start with this is called uh, Anthemic by uh, the artist is, calls himself DJ Marble. So here is a minute of this song, Anthemic, one of the contenders for our new theme song. Anthemic by DJ Marble. So your impressions of that? I, I like it. It starts off with a little kind of like a techno thing going on and then moves into a full-on George Michael sports machine vibe. <laughs> or, or or whatever the show was on Sunday nights that Dan Roan would do, the highlight show. I forgot no, the WGN. name of it. Yeah, you remember the one I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. It was like Sunday nights at like 1040. Or nine forty, right. and they do like a twenty-minute recap of the sports for the week, and it suddenly it just took me back to that. Like I totally <laughs> forgot about that, and it it, it took me back. It, it definitely fit football. I mean, it had a very football feeling vibe, sports vibe to it. So, yeah, it's got a good beat, and I can dance to it. <laughs> yeah, that's I feel the same way that once the the horns started started kicking in you kind of got that football feel like it was sort of amping you up like yeah. you're ready to go yeah it was like a, a little, little, little i could i could hear a little like you could you could you could dub in some john facenda over that <laughs> well, some hip-hop john facenda that'd be interesting hip-hop john facenda yeah at lambo field yeah. they like and then you could like so you know. <laughs> then you could splice in a little gus johnson you know like, ah! <laughs> all right so that's a, a positive usually it's a, a solid, song that I it's, play a solid, it's not yeah it's not the doctor who theme song <laughs> that we started the this our, our very first couple shows it's fun to go back to that like first two shows first two three shows before i was like ah, i think it was this just the one i think it was the, the very oh, first boy. show and i got so much crap from you and my wife i was like okay let's switch that up yeah and, well, you know how most shows have that pilot episode, right? You know, and things change. Yeah, after, yeah the, the Doctor Who oh, theme. God. I think I even said that on the show. <laughs> yeah, in our very yeah, first show. Like, What's with that? Yeah, I, 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 I always remember the days of the old Doctor Who theme song that we had for that for that inaugural show. The, the pilot our episode. Our very first I think show. 
that stands out and also just how nervous we sounded. We were so frightened going on yeah. the air. Like, are, are we on? Are, are we, I are remember, we live? I, I mean, I remember being really nervous before the yeah. first show. Like, I could feel like the heart was beating. Like, we were really doing something. Now it's like, nah, who cares? Um, <laughs> got a show tonight. You know, and, I, and we always joke about that first show because it was our half hour format when we were back in the, the free days. And uh, the half hour show it was our NFC preview, I believe, was the very first show we ever did for that season. I think it was the uh, 20, was it 2013? Wow. Yeah. Does that sound right? 2013? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Preview show. And in that half hour, we spent 20 of those minutes just explaining who the hell we were. <laughs> And that was my fault. I felt that we yeah. needed to explain ourselves and then introduce ourselves. And, I, you know, as I tend to do, I kind of got carried away a little bit. Yeah. But that's, yeah. And look at where we are now. We got Hall of Infamy, although we already had Hall of Infamy um, from. Now we have it in podcast form. Now we have it in podcast form. We all actually, so we, it's actually, that's actually something that was a carryover from the blog that just, that became us doing it on the show. I, I, but I love this format. That's why it's like, I have so much trouble going to the blog because there's nothing that beats this. Just spitting it right out on the air for everybody. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, your boy's back in the NFL, your hero. Did you see oh, that? God, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> I, I, wanted to, I wanted to play the second song that I had selected, uh, that you like the first one so much, maybe I don't even have to play the second no, one. But you know what, though? It, yeah. Uh, yeah. Give it its fair time. I, this is called. You were saying? Oh, I, I'm listening. Oh, uh, this is called Dub Hop, and the artist is called Katie in Beats. So here is Dub Hop. <laughs> God, I was playing Castlevania. <laughs> oh no. Oh, uh, are you there? I hear you muting me and unmuting me. Sorry, I, I broke out into hysterical laughter. That was pretty awful. I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, hopefully this is making it onto the show. But uh, yeah, that stunk. I, I thought I was I thought I was breaking out playing some eight bit Nintendo games during the middle of that one. So if you if you're hearing this, don't don't use that one. That that was really bad. Um that that sounded like some guy uh, you know with like a little Casio keyboard. Uh, bumping up some MIDI files. But uh, I, I can't hear anything you're saying if you're there, although I can hear the inputs on your side. So I don't know if you, you know, 
could hear me laughing over everything that you were doing there, but that was uh, that was a treat. Uh, I, stick with the first one. Quit while you were ahead. You got something going on there? Well, someone's still on this show. It might be me. So I was starting to talk to Andre about his boy, his hero, Jay Cutler, getting signed to a one-year $10 million deal by the Miami Dolphins. Uh-oh, he's Andre's texting me. He has no idea what is going on right now. Well, that makes two of us. I don't know if he can hear me. Let's find out. I'm talking about his boy, Jay Cutler. Uh, it was quite a spirited conversation that I had with some of my coworkers today because I am still, and Andre, I know is that no, him and I are not Cutler lovers, but we are firm believers that Jay Cutler is nowhere near as awful as he's been made out to be uh, by mostly Bears fans uh, for the career that he had and that his numbers actually do stack up reasonably well as a pro. And Andre is texting me back that he cannot hear me at all whatsoever that's bad because once we move into the after show folks it's all over i could be talking to myself right now in my best radio voice so i am going to cut it loose here i had an excellent time doing the hall of infamy one of my favorite things are our award shows and recap shows and just retrospective things like that so I am very excited uh, that we got another one in. I'm sure Andre's excited for the next year to come. If he's talking on, he could be talking over me completely right now. I have no idea what the experience is like at all right now. Well, everyone, just have a good night. We'll see you. Hope, but probably see you one more time here. I would say we probably some 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 off season stuff, some preseason stuff going on. We're probably going to want to jump on and talk about before we get into a full preview show at the end of the month getting towards labor days i cannot believe we're already moving towards football season so everyone uh stay safe and uh Good night, Burkina Faso. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.